Blog Talk Radio. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. everybody this is brother frank back with another episode of the remnant call glad to have you here with us tonight and uh, excited about tonight's show if you didn't catch last week's show you really need to go listen to that um the left behind and um folks the the sex trafficking the slave trafficking it is uh the forgotten actually and uh they are the ones that people don't remember but yet it happens daily and if you don't Folks, we got to remember to pray because if you're not praying for them, who is praying for these people, these children, these young adults, and even adults in other countries taken against their will um, to do a lot of heinous and horrible things? Folks, God cares, and he wants us to care also about this because it's important. We are in the last days, and I'll tell you, if you feel like you've been going to a church and it's just the same regurgitated garbage over and over again, nothing ever to challenge you, nothing ever to, to ask, ask us to go deeper in our walk with the Lord, folks, that is the commonplace in the world today. And that's why at the Remnant Call, this is a no-holds-barred, unfiltered radio show about truth and ultimately about walking deeper with the Lord. If you are coming and listening to this program week in and week out or other shows week in and week out, and you're not growing deeper in the Lord, then folks, you've got to take, you've got to self-inspect. You need to look at what's going on in your life because just simply listening is not enough. You've got to set yourself apart. Get into prayer. Seek the Lord's face. Read his word, and God will guide you into that deep walk. And, And, folks, when you get there, when you hit that place where you begin to walk with the Lord, it's amazing because he wants to share his heart with you. And what he shares with you, it might have been happening all along, but you never saw it until the day he opens up your eyes and reveals to you the truth. And many times, folks, it's right around us, the things that God wants us to see that's going on right there. Well, tonight we've got an exciting show, and Brother Benjamin is back to talk about the proud. Um, We are going to talk about some of the things that are going on tonight in the church, in the world, the satanic influences, what's going on out of the pulpits of America in different places. You know, it's interesting. The only thing people care about right now is who's winning the Democratic debate. Is Trump going to win again? All the longer that we're still killing babies and open homosexuality and everything like that. And people say, well, at least they're not doing it as late term abortions. Folks, last time I checked, it doesn't matter if you kill them at one month or nine months or eight months it's still abortion either way quit fooling yourself because you've moved it back to right before the baby comes out of the womb that it is somehow okay when we are killing we are killing there is no difference it is a baby and we need to remember that and remember what the president uses the lord's name in vain and all the other things that are going on folks we're not going to make america great again we're not going to make babylon great again we are going to get right because the lord is coming this whole house of cards is about to fall my question is where will you be standing when it falls 
Hopefully it'll be under the wings of the Almighty. Well, with that, I'm going to bring in our guest tonight, Brother Benjamin. Benjamin, are you here with us this evening? Hey, good evening, Frank. Amen, Benjamin. Praise God. Brother, I don't know about you, but last time I checked, abortion is still abortion no matter what day it is performed on. I mean, could you agree with me on that? Yeah, I agree. I'm still sick of this. Well, it's not so late term. Any, I mean, who can't, it's, we're still killing them. I don't know what's wrong with this world. Well, I know what's wrong with this world, but it's very frustrating, brother. Praise God. It's vexation Amen. of soul to even hear the truth now, because the world is just, it's been overturned and turned to darkness. It's altogether evil. And even the good is is wrong. You know, the parts of the world that look good on the outside are literally just the charade to hide the evil. Yep. The beautiful faces of sin, really, right? Absolutely. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you remember the Yeah, years thank ago, God it's almost over. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. It reminded me. You remember years ago, there was that movie. It was probably in the 80s. I remember it came out, The Faces of Death. And it was like contraband when I was a little bit younger than I'm a little younger than you to see that people, you know, these how they would die. Now today, The Faces of Death is modern day movie, television. It's what we absorb daily, and it doesn't bother anybody anymore. Yeah, people have been desensitized. That's right, brother. For sure. Well, praise God, Benjamin. I know you got a word that's been burning in your heart, and uh, I'm just going to ask, brother, if you could open up this uh, show with a word of prayer. Amen. Father, we thank you that your mercies are new every day, and we thank you that your loving kindness is long-suffering towards the children of men. And, Lord, you have been calling and pleading and wooing your people to come back to you. And you've been warning a backslidden church, and you've been warning secular people that a day of reckoning would come. Your mercy will not be trampled upon, nor will your word be ignored without severe consequence. Lord, you've held back the storm and you've held open the door of grace that a few might still come to their senses like the prodigal in a, in a dreary land eating out of the pig trough that the last of the prodigals would wake up from their delusional, intoxicated sleep come to their senses and run home to Father's house before the door of grace is shut forever and before the whirlwind comes forth in this dry land. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to save your remnant with a mighty salvation and you're going to redeem your word and you're going to glorify your name in all of the earth And you are going to resolve the controversy of Zion by your strength. And Lord, you are going to mete out to each man 
that which he is due, for you said yourself, vengeance is yours, and it is you that will repay. And woe unto those who have not covered their sins under the blood of the Lamb. So, Lord, have mercy on your people tonight. Prick our hearts with the conviction of your Holy Spirit. Illuminate, Lord. Open our eyes. Give us eyes, have that our, our eyes would no longer be blind in the Spirit, but illuminate our minds with the light of your truth that we could re- humble ourselves and repent and turn to you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, Frank, thanks for thanks for the wonderful um, picture <laughs> that you created, <laughs> representing the proud. <laughs> yes. Oh my word! There's a lot I of really symbolism there. I really wanted to see there. Joyce in the photo, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Who was that guy that was like the um, the chainsaw murderer or the the crazy guy with the with the hockey, you know, goalie face mask? Jason. What was his name wasn't it Mike Myers? Michael Myers. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Was he any relation to Joyce? <laughs> I <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Woe unto the people who came into the house of God and. And out of the arrogance of their pride, taught from the knowledge of good and evil, and not by the power of the Holy Spirit, woe unto them who brought deception into the house of the Lord, and who have persecuted the righteous, while, while encouraging and blessing the apostate and the backsliders. You know, the church is in a woeful condition today. The church has been overrun by compromise. It has been undone by sin. And, you know, they're literally, they're keeping up the appearances. But the tree is dead. You know, rather than gathering the fruit, they're, they're sweeping up the dead leaves that have fallen to the ground, so that the grounds would look good. The tree's dead. Much of the church has, has left the Lord. Much of the church is overrun by the enemy, you know, which is declared in Scripture. Go read Psalm 74. You know, read the Word. The enemy came among us for the purpose of destroying us. And yet most people never saw it coming because they'd already been deceived by their own sin. You know, sin deceives us. And the first sin that brought all of this corruption into the creation of God was the sin of pride, which was found in Lucifer the consequence of which he fell from his place in the, as the worship leader, as the chief cherub in the house of God, he fell 
and was utterly corrupted by the sin of pride, and it so transformed his nature that he became Satan, altogether evil. And so, too, his servants, who are all the sons of pride, they, too, in the very essence, are evil. I want to talk a little bit about the proud tonight, because that is the gateway for the demonic into the life of the believer. You know, the scripture lists a series of sins that are an abomination, and you can look this up yourself in the Proverbs. And we'll get to the scriptural site a little later in the program. But one of the abominations is pride and a, and a proudful look, because it opens the door to every evil work. And yet, if there's one thing that describes the people in this last time, they are proud. How proud are their looks? How lifted up are their eyes? And yet they're not washed from their sin. Praise God. I'll share a couple scriptures that'll bring this point into greater clarity. Psalm 119, verse 84 to 86. How many are the days of thy servant? Wouldn't you like to know how many days we have left? God's not going to tell us, but here King David is asking the question, how many are the days of thy servant? And when will you execute judgment on those that have persecuted me? The proud have dug pits for me. They've set snares for me. Not according to thy commandments, for thy commandments are faithful, yet they persecuted me wrongfully. Lord, help me. Psalm 119, 84 to 86. Frank, I, I got that scripture this is maybe um, two days ago. I had received an email from a listener asking me to watch a YouTube and you know, to comment, and um, that, and I, I, I get about 100 emails a day. I get constant YouTube's recommendations, and, and I don't really have time to watch, you know, a dozen YouTubes every week. And, but this one I actually started, I, I opened it, and within about two minutes, um, I could tell this was the spirit of error. I mean, pretty much right out of the get-go, and... So I just deleted it, and, you know, to be kind, I responded. I said, you know, um, what was the main point? I'm sorry, I don't have time for the YouTube. And I got back the most hateful email, Frank. You're no man of God, you know, all caps. You know, all I said is I don't have time to watch the YouTube. But this person just ripped me a new one. They just tear me to pieces verbally. You know, and a whole huge paragraph. I read maybe... Just a little bit of it, I thought, I'm not listening to this. I turned it off. But, you know, even that small little accusation, it kind of, you know, it's happened before. <laughs> it's quite constant in the body of Christ that the proud persecute wrongfully the righteous. And I was a little bit grieved, and I went over to my prayer loft, and, you know, and I just thought, Lord, I just need to pray this off of me. I... I've got 
I'm busy. I have things I have to accomplish in the kingdom. I don't need dogs nipping at my heels, right? With drama that is totally irrelevant. But, you know, that's what Satan does, and he, and he does it through the proud. And, and so I opened the scriptures, and I, and I read these verses. The proud have set a snare for me. The drama of all their wrongful persecution, their false accusations. And, and I just thought, wow, is that not amazing? That word for pride or the proud is Zaid or Zeda, and it means arrogant, insolent, presumptuous pride. It's the wicked acts of rebellious men, haughty and insolent. The scorner is their name. They are disobedient. They, they will mock God-ordained authorities. These are the people that will strive with the high priest. They mock the very messengers God sent because they're so puffed up in their own mind that they actually feel they're better than everyone. That word insolent means showing a rude and an arrogant lack of respect, insultingly contemptuous in their speech, feeling and showing contempt, the act of despising another person, and inappropriately. The root word comes from zid, and it means to seize, to be insolent, to act presumptuously. And the word for persecute in that verse is radaf, and it means to harass. And so, you know, the proud among us, they harass the righteous. And it means they chase after. It means to chase after with hostile intent. You know, the, the, the hostility that comes through their false accusations. And they persecute the righteous wrongfully. It's it's a deception. Their entire argument, their whole cause is a falsehood, a sham. They're swearing falsely. And, you know, it, it, I really felt comforted by the Lord in that, you know, this has happened so many times. You know, people have been accused of stealing my books. You know, one woman went bonkers, must have visited a thousand Christian forums telling everybody I stole my book from her. She volunteered as a cop, as an editor. This is crazy, right? It's wrongful. But this is what is happening in this hour. And this is what happened to, to everyone who came forth. The Pharisees that opposed Jesus, they were proud. They were arrogant. They looked down on the Lord. Our father's Abraham, but we don't know who your father is. No doubt the, the rumors about Mary's pregnancy had survived to Jesus' adulthood. And no doubt it was one of the reasons when he stood up in the synagogue in Nazareth, in his hometown, as he began his ministry, he stood up at, at the synagogue and, and read from Isaiah 61, and he told the people, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news and to heal the, the wounded and to bind up the brokenhearted and to deliver those who have been captured by Satan. And they rose in fury and wrath and wanted to kill him because they all knew he was a bastard. 
And, and he was born, he was conceived out of wedlock. Of course, they missed one small detail. He was the Holy One, born by the Holy Spirit. His father was God Almighty. And he wasn't a bastard at all. He was the, only, he was the eternal Son of God in their presence. Yet in their arrogant pride, they came against the Lord. And they tried to kill him. I mean, talk about being rejected by your own friends and family. No doubt Mary was there, his mom. Maybe his brothers were there. One of his brothers pretty much resisted his ministry until the resurrection. And then finally figured it out that, wow, my older brother was uh, the son of God. But the proud, when we are so convinced we are right, when we're arrogant, you know, I think back to... um, some of the persecutions that have come my way, and at one point, a huge internet fight ensued between all these fake watchmen and men who appointed themselves, none of them called by God, but all of them coming for whatever reason, and a huge contentious argument that suddenly became all my fault, and I had nothing to do with it. And I went in my prayer loft, I'm like, Lord, I'm not even involved, and they're all blaming me. And and Frank, the Lord, he spoke to me, and he said, My people are ignorant of my word. They are immature in their faith, and yet they are arrogant in their pride. Ignorant of the word of God, immature in the things of the kingdom and in the things of faith, and yet arrogant in pride. And then he continued, he said, my people are full of themselves, but I will empty them out. And on the picture I had when he said that to me, Frank, the picture I had was of this beautiful crystal glass, this crystal chalice that had been made for, you know, worship, and it was a, a vessel of honor, yet it, was, it had soil, it had been soiled. And, and when you poured water in it, the water became muddy. And so it was no good. It had to be cleansed. And, and so the Lord's way of cleansing that beautiful vessel that had been sullied or sullied with water mixed with mud, he lifted it up, and then he let it go. And Frank, that glass, it hit the rocks below, and it shattered into a thousand pieces. And that's how God gets rid of the pride. Mm. He breaks us. And, you know, that pride thing, it is the deception that dogs every one of us until we put it to flight or put it to death. I'll never forget I had a dream of a Christian, Christian man that I knew, um, a friend of mine for a season, and yet a, a man that you know, in reality, still had a whole lot of pride. And and I remember they were gathering for a family portrait. Had the photographers, and everyone was in their Sunday best, and they were getting ready for the picture. And, and then somebody said, wait, wait, stop. And a little devil, about, about one foot tall, comes running into the picture with a little tuxedo on and jumps right into the center. And it was a demon of pride. 
And I said, oh, I see you brought the family devil for the photo. And that little, that little punk devil, that little demon of pride, spoiling so many things. To the degree we are proud, that is the measure of the degree of our deception. Now, on occasion, I will hear things in the spirit in the morning when I'm waking up, and I hear it with my ears. And one morning, the Lord let me listen in on the camp of the enemy. Now, I've gotten a lot of, you know, some angry people, you know, rejecting me because they're like, well, how could Benjamin hear the enemy? Well, God lets me hear whatever he wants me to hear. And I, I heard the enemy talking to his principalities. And here's what he said. It's a good thing that they're still proud. Their pride has saved us many times. Otherwise, we would have to give them back everything we have stolen from them. Wow. Your pride is a friend of your enemy. And yet, you know, pride is natural to the... the, the mind of the flesh, it's natural to the way of the world, the pride of life, the pride of the flesh. We all grew up with it, and it's, it's a natural defense mechanism to walk through this ruined age. But in the kingdom of God, it's our undoing. It's high time to get low now. You know, that, that word pride, I mentioned to you, it's the word zaid or zeda in Hebrew, and it literally means arrogant, insolent pride. You know, it's arrogant pride. It's pride with no reason. It's the kid that never graduated from high school, arrogantly believing he's the smartest kid in the room, filled in with a room of scholars. It's the person that's hardly read the Bible, thinks he knows more than the scribes, simply because of arrogant pride. The city of pride was called Zidon. And it was there that Jezebel was born. So pride leads us in total rebellion. It's, it's an, a sin that is not only outrageous, it's an abomination. I just want to share some scriptures with you guys to encourage you. First of all, the commandment of the Lord. I'm just going to touch on this. Leviticus 26, starting in verse 13. You guys can go read Leviticus 26. It is amazing when you go through the progression of the judgment of God where we as a country are at in the order of events. We're pretty much near the end of Leviticus 26, and that is a bad thing because the judgment of God becomes more and more and more serious over time if we do not Humble ourselves and repent. I'm just going to read a few things for you. I am the Lord your God who brought you forth out of the land of Egypt that you would not be their slaves. And I've broken the chains of your yoke and I've caused you to walk upright. But if you will not listen to me and if you refuse to do all of my commandments, this is what I will do to you. I will appoint over you terrorism and burning, flaming diseases that will consume your eyes and bring sorrow to your heart. You will sow your seed in vain. I'll set my face against you. I'll break the pride of your power, and your strength will be spent in vain. 
I'll send wild beasts among you, and they will rob you of children. And isn't that happening today with the opioid epidemic with, and with the abortion epidemic that's occurring? The children are being taken. They're being killed. They're being captured by the enemy. I will break the staff of bread. And if you continue to walk contrary to my law, I will walk contrary to you in fury. And I'll chastise you even greater, seven times more for your sin. And you will eat the flesh of your sons and daughters. And I'll destroy your high places. I will bring down your churches and your sanctuaries. And I'll make your land a total desolation. And you will be astonished. But if you will confess your iniquity and the iniquity of your fathers and the trespass wherein they trespassed against me, and if in your uncircumcised heart you will humble yourself, then I will remember my covenant with you. You know, everybody quotes Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and repent and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. Well, our land is not being healed. If you need the proof, turn on the evening news. And you'll see the, the perversion and the darkness and, the, and it's only getting worse by the day. So, you know, what is wrong with, with the promise of God in Second Chronicles 7.14? Well, we, as a church here in America, we are not meeting the requirements. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves. Eh. No go. Stop right there. This is a generation that is so proud. And you know, we deny our pride. We deny our sin. We don't want to look at it. You know? And so we dress it up in, in outer religious garments. And you know, the average Christian would not even, you know, they would not be quick to realize how much pride is in all of us until we empty ourselves out or until God empties us out. We're for this stuff. Our uncircumcised hearts, our unbridled flesh is full of the pride of life Proverbs 11, verse 2, when pride comes, then comes shame. Pride comes before the fall. Proverbs 13, 10, only through pride comes contention. This country is full of contention. Many offended. Many shall become offended one with another and hate each other and persecute each other only through the pride that creates all this contention. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low. Isaiah 23, 9, the Lord has purposed it to mar and destroy the pride of the earth. Yeah, God has a plan. He's going to tear the pride to the ground. Jeremiah 13, thus saith the Lord, 
After this manner will I destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. Zephaniah 3, verse 11, In that day I will take away out of the midst of my people those who rejoiced in their pride. The people that are proud, they're getting taken out. They're not in the remnant. The remnant are all humbled or will shortly be. And you can either humble yourself or you can let the Lord do the work. Much more difficult process. The job gets done faster but far more severe. Or door number three is the tiger. I will take away out of the midst of you those who rejoice in their pride. And you will no longer be haughty or arrogant on my mountain of Zion. And I'll leave in the midst of you an afflicted and a poor and a humble people. And they will trust in the name of the Lord. Jesus himself said in Mark 7.18, Are you so without understanding? Do you not even understand what I'm saying? What Whatever enters into a man, it cannot defile him, because it doesn't enter his heart. It's that which comes out of the man that defiles the man. For from within his heart proceeds every evil thought. And the Lord lists adultery and fornication and murder, blasphemy, pride. Whoa. Pride made the big time. All of these evil things, Jesus said come from within. But, you know, we don't think of pride as an evil thing. Pride is our friend. Pride is how we defend our wounded heart. Pride is the natural defense mechanism of the flesh. It's the way of all flesh. It's the way of this world. First John 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are of the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For everything that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these are not from the Father, but they are of the world. Job 40, verse 9. Do you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like the Almighty? Deck yourself with majesty? Array yourself with glory and beauty? Cast abroad the rage of your wrath, and behold, every man that is proud, and abase him. Look upon everyone that is proud, and bring him low. See a man that is proud? You can, you're looking at a man that is about to be brought low. God says, I'm going to hide them in the dust, and I'll bind their faces in secret. Psalm 12, verse 3, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. Psalm 119, 21, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed. Whoa, the proud are cursed. Oh, that's a bad deal. For they do err from thy commandments. Psalm 123, verses 3 and 4, Have mercy upon us, O Lord. For we are filled with contempt. Our soul is filled with the scorning of those that are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. These things the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination. A proud look made the top of the list. 
everyone that is proud, Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is proud in their heart is an abomination to the Lord, and they shall not go unpunished. <laughs> the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, Proverbs 15.25. When God comes in visitation, the proud, their houses are even going to be destroyed. Proverbs 28, 25. He that is proud stirs up strife. The proud come in and now they get offended and they create contention and all they do is create all the strife that's going on in the churches today. Isaiah 2, verse 12. For the day of the Lord shall be upon everyone that is proud. I got news for you guys. The day of the Lord is about to begin and it's coming upon the head everyone that is proud and everyone that is lifted up and they shall all be brought low. Isaiah 13:11. I will punish the world for their evil and I will punish the wicked for their iniquity and I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and I will lay low the haughty. God has an issue with pride and he has an issue with the proud and it's this is a serious issue. We, this is one of the sins, you know, in a, in a lot of churches, they have sins that they'll judge you for, like, heaven forbid you smoke a cigarette, or, worse yet, you were divorced, you know, because they've got their own version of the, of the law of God. But pride, no, that a boy, brother, see you at the, ice, at the Christian social. They don't care one bit if you walk in pride. Just don't you dare smoke a cigarette or drink a beer, or watch a football game, or go to a movie, or show up at church without a t-shirt with a collar on it, or whatever their little religious ritual is. But they don't mind as if you're proud. But the day of the Lord is coming upon all that are proud. Give ear. This is Jeremiah thirteen fifteen. Hear this and give ear. Be not proud, for the Lord has spoken. Give glory to the Lord your God before he brings the darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountains. Jeremiah 13, give ear, be not proud. Jeremiah 50, dealing with America, Babylon, call the archers against Babylon and you that bend the bow, recompense her according to her ways according to all that she has done, for she has been proud against the Lord and against the Holy One of Israel. The pride of America has been an insult to the Lord. You know, I think he probably watched the Democratic debate. I think he's been watching these politicians who represent these people, voicing these antichrist opinions. And their pride and their arrogance chafes against the Lord. Therefore shall her young men fall in the streets, and all of her men of war shall be cut off in that day. Know, what portion of the military is going to be destroyed? All of her men of war. Now, there will be a remnant, I'm sure. Behold, I'm against you, O most proud nation, says the Lord. Malachi 3.15 and now we call the proud happy. Oh, yeah, they're honored today. And those that work wickedness are lifted up in our land. 
Yes, and those that tempt God, that even dare to tempt God, they are delivered. But those who feared the Lord spoke to each other. And the Lord hearkened and heard. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord. And that thought upon his name, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord, in the day when I wake up and I make up my jewels. And I'll spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. And then you will see and discern between the righteous and the wicked, and between those that serve God and those that do not serve him. The proud do not serve the Lord. They serve an idol of self. And behold, the day comes, Malachi 4, and it's going to burn like an oven. And all that are proud, yes, all that do wickedness, shall become stubble. For the day that is coming will burn them up, saith the Lord, leaving neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall come, and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And last, a couple last comments. Luke chapter 1, verse 50. God's mercy is upon them that fear him from generation to generation. He showed strength with his arm, but he scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. God has scattered the proud, and they've been confused by the knowledge of good and evil and the imagination of their hearts. They've imagined that they're so important that everything they think is right. They're so smart. They're always right. And so they've gone the way that seems right in their eyes. They're lifted up in pride. They're an abomination unto the Lord. And God is going to bring them down. And the day of the Lord is coming upon all of the sons of pride. Romans one twenty eight. These people that were in rebellion did not retain God in their knowledge. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do things that are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, envy, murder, deceit, debate. Oh, there's a good one. The debate club. All haters of God and all who are proud have been turned over to a reprobate mind. This is a serious thing, you guys. 1 Timothy 6.3, if any man teach you otherwise, any words that are not according to the doctrine of Jesus Christ and to the doctrine according to godliness, then he is proud and knows nothing. The proud know nothing. Yet they think they know everything. The proud know nothing, but they dote about questions and they strive over words. Whereas they bring envy, strife, railings, and evil. First Peter 5. Likewise, you that are younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. <laughs> Not this generation. Yes, you, all of you should be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists and opposes the proud, but he gives his grace to the humble. You know, the thing about the proud, they are absolutely deceived. They've been turned over to a reprobate mind. The Pharisees were arrogant in their pride. 
They would stand up and pray, Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm not like this sinner. I keep all your commandments. And I'm, I'm, I've pledged to kill that, that revolutionary man, Jesus of Nazareth, who would change your covenant. Right? And then the Pharisees that followed, they changed the very prophecies. The Masoretic text was altered when the Pharisees, so full of pride in the reprobate mind, actually tried to cover up the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is Messiah and Son of God. Imagine thinking they're protecting the Jewish religion by hiding the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. Look at the point of insanity that pride will take you to. The proud persecute the righteous. The children of the flesh persecute the children of the spirit. And it has always been that way. So, praise God. I just, you know, I just felt we needed to share that because all of us, we're about to pass under the rod of judgment. This judgment is coming. It's not years away. It might be a year away, but it's rapidly approaching, and we have got to cleanse our temples. We have got to renew our minds, and we have got to repent of our sin. And the, the secret sin of pride is actually a stronghold of the enemy in the lives of many, many people who call on the name of the Lord. And, you know... Honestly, probably the single best antidote for pride is to confess your sins one to another. You know, pride makes us hide who we really are. And we put on the pretense. We put on the, the outward persona that we think we're supposed to be when we when we go in public, you know, in the, the true church of the Ecclesia, the church of, of God is supposed to be a place where we can be, where we can walk in the truth. The Laodicean church is a place where people walk in, for the most part, pretense. And, and it has to be that way because they don't even want to know. You go to these churches and everybody asks, how are you? They really, for the most part, they don't want you to answer that question. That's just a salutation. It's, they might as well just say, good morning. It's heartbreaking. world around us dying. Innocent children being kidnapped by the tens of thousands. Sold into slavery, trafficked into sexual slavery, or, or worse, used in satanic ritual abuse. And, and you go to church, you know, and everybody's fine. You know, they're all hoping Trump can make Babylon great again. It's not going to happen. The president will sign the orders putting us under martial law. And the church will support it. And then they'll come trying to find the remnant. Of course, the rest of the, you know, the, the larger group that calls itself the church, 
they're going to suddenly follow the new prophet that appears, right? Call down fire from heaven and do do miracles in the presence of the beast, and and he'll tell the whole world to to follow the beast and worship the dragon who gave his authority to the beast. And you can keep your pride if you're going to join that side, because that's all they're full of is pride in every evil work. But you know, if you want to walk with the remnant, we got to humble ourselves, you guys. The the two things that are most effective. The antidotes for pride are, number one, the truth. Because the truth is, none of us have done anything to even be proud about in the first place. If the whole truth came out, every one of us would be thankful Jesus is going to cover our sins in the blood of the Lamb, and he's going to put his robe of righteousness on us, lest we walk naked. And the second most powerful thing for breaking the the, the stronghold of pride and you know the spirit of pride is a demon okay it's not just a mindset but it's a satanic stronghold the next most powerful thing to break that lying spirit out of your life is fasting and prayer because as you fast you empty yourself you empty your flesh of its strength and, and you empty yourself of your comfort and, and you humble yourself you afflict yourself. And in that place, you start seeing clearly. And the deceptions of pride start just sort of fading away. And, and everything starts becoming a lot clearer. And You know, we, we all have a lot to clean up in terms of thought life. And we all need to be walking in much more clear and powerful anointing. You know, there's a scripture in Colossians that says, How, Howsoever you received Jesus Christ, go and walk in Him. And, you know, the thing is, there's a lot of people that receive Jesus but never received the Holy Spirit. And they're the many on the wide road. They, they know His name, they consider themselves Christians, but they're not actually born again. And so they cannot walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They're going to be swept away. These are the children of the lie. They're called the congregation of the dead. Unto them, the only thing given is the ministry of death. And they will not, they'll be the many on that day crying out, Lord, Lord. But for the, the elect, the ecclesia, the chosen of the Lord, who are born again by the power of the Holy Spirit, we all need to do the work that is required to renew our minds, sanctify our temples, and to increase, to be sure that we have filled our vessel with oil, that our lamps are full, that we could begin to enter into the anointing. Because, you guys, when this judgment hits, if you don't have the oil, it's going to be really hard to find the time to fast and pray while helter-skelter is happening all over the world. It's going to be far better that you take that time now and learn the discipline of 
taking your thoughts captive and, and quieting yourself through quietness and rest is your salvation. Read Isaiah 30. And through praise and worship and prayer and the, and the meditation and study of the Scripture to begin to enter into the presence of the Lord and enter into the fullness of the Holy Spirit so you can walk with the power of the Lord in you. Then, when the whirlwind comes and when the darkness comes, you won't be afraid because you'll have the power of the Lord calm you, to keep your heart in peace. The world around you is going to lose their mind. And I mean literally. They're going to go insane. The fear and the stress, their faces will appear as if they were on fire. The stress will be so extreme. You cannot even imagine the stress level of the Great Tribulation. Until you've been there, you can't even imagine it. And Having been, having experienced it, having been there in reality, uh, unless I'm in the anointing, there's no way I'm going to handle it. And there's no way you're going to handle it either. You cannot walk through the day of the Lord in the power of the flesh, nor can you walk through the day of the Lord with your heart deceived with pride hidden inside. We've got to get ready. This is coming, and we're going. We're, it's either going to take us out, or we're going to walk through it. But if you belong to the Lord, the choice is yours which outcome you're going to have. Amen. Amen. Any questions, Frank? Any comments? Well, it's interesting that you brought this up, because, you know, Matthew chapter 7, I think it's kind of misunderstood some of the verse. We quote it often, but it is one of the key verses to pride. When it says in uh, verse 21, um, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And the audacity of these people to argue with the Lord is, Lord, haven't you seen what I have done and the amazing thing is when you think about it, Benjamin, these people, their walk, their bent, their religious view is towards a focus on the miraculous and how powerful they are. They're, in charismatic. The They're charismatic people. Absolutely. And, yeah, and they so came the out of the charismatic church. Yeah, and, and it's not that there's not real miracles. It's that they are basing their power on their miracles and how wonderful they are, and they are telling the Lord, how dare you not see what we're doing? And God's like, I don't even know you. Who do you think you are? <laughs> you know. And then the, the contrast to that in Matthew 25 when you get to the right to the those who are the, the righteous that were saying, you know, like you know, the Lord was like, when I was sick, you visited me, and the and the Lord, and they were like, Lord, when did we do that stuff? They were <laughs> doing actual works, and they were ignorant of it because they were not focused on those being the source of their goodness. It, it's the right. contrast to pride, which is killing the people in Matthew chapter 7, yet the humble are actually doing the works of God, and they're ignorant of their own works. Powerful. Right. 
And and and, and it's not only and yes, it is relationship. I never knew you, but it's worse. It's devilish. They're they're they are convinced that they are somebody powerful in the Lord because they've got a Rolls Royce or a fifteen thousand dollar dog, or they've got you know this church and these jets and this all this money, and I'm somebody. And God's like, oh, I yeah. don't even know you. Oh yeah, yeah. That's like going Godfather well, in a way. Like he's you, dead you to me, it. you know. You, you know, I've heard it from people where I've shared something, and they're like, well, how many people go to your church or the church you attend? And then you say, well, you know, I actually don't go to church. At this. I know. We're actually going to start an Internet church soon, folks, um, to try to uh, create a meeting place for all of the remnant people that are kind of out there alone to try to connect you guys to um, the larger group so that we wouldn't all be isolated and alone. But, you know, they'll, they'll respond and say, well, there's 5,000 in our church. Like, like numbers even mattered in the kingdom anyway. But, you know, that is the deceitfulness of sin. It, you, you become convinced you're right when you know nothing at all. You know, that, that scripture where he's proud and knows nothing. The people mm. that are proud know Nothing. You know, I've had a man build a website to just tear me to pieces over the 70-year reign of end-time Babylon. Well, the 70-year reign of end-time Babylon is real. It's, it's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. Oh, it's not being fulfilled exactly as maybe I thought originally. You know? Okay. Wow. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. More has been revealed. But, you know, the proud who absolutely know nothing will mock the people who really know the Lord and feel entitled to do so. They will persecute you thinking they're serving the God they don't even know. Yes. So, folks, another thing as an antidote, we know fasting, prayer, all that stuff is God's way is the antidote. But I want to share something with you, um, Brother Benjamin, um, about your book, um, you have your whole Out of the Darkness series, but this the first book, the Out of the Darkness, I want to read to the listeners a review, folks, because this book is one of those books that they don't come around very often. And, and listen to what this listener said. It says, um, hello and blessings to you, Benjamin. He's actually writing the review to you. He said, uh, when we talked, you had asked me what I liked about Out of the Darkness. First, I thought about the chapter on first fruits. Then the prayer at the end. Then I took the time to reread the book. So while it's fresh inside my mind, I'll give you a quick note. The entire book is way beyond human knowledge. You were anointed in the Spirit of God Almighty. I got the most from the first part of the book. It really caused me to press pause and reset in my own life. The trials and the tribulations of this world can become stumbling blocks and distractions. We must keep our eyes upon Jesus, looking full in his wonderful face at all times. Then this work will grow strangely dim. The entire book is a must-read for the church in these evil times. Yet I'm grateful to see Bible prophecy coming true before my eyes. The call to fasting... And prayer has renewed my life. The anointing from God that comes from denying self is a blessing. It provides the backdrop to experience God. Yet the first fruits are many more than money. 
It's how we spend our time, energy, and thoughts. It's a powerful book. I'm glad to have found the series. I've listened to your powerful testimony and shared it with others. Our God is amazing. Now, this is the interesting thing, Benjamin, when you read this review. This man was touched by your book to get into prayer, fasting, deny self, seeking the Lord. All the things that are contrary to the prideful prosperity church that says, I can get more for myself to increase my value in this world. And yet this book says, no, you can decrease and allow the Lord to increase. Folks, if you haven't read the book, Out of the Darkness, you are missing out on something powerful. It's a powerful book that will drive you down closer to your knees and to your walk with the Lord. And Benjamin, uh, I know some, you know, sometimes people get upset. Well, you're just selling a book. Folks, if a book is life-changing, then you better read it. That's my opinion. Personally, I know because I read The Day of the Lord is at hand 20 years ago, and the Lord drug me pulled me, saved my life in one day out of drugs, addiction to everything under the sun. My family was over. My wife was leaving me, and the Lord saved my life. That is a powerful book. It wasn't the book, but it drove me to the Lord, and the Lord finally got a hold of my life. Benjamin, I just wanted to share that tonight because I know that you put your heart and soul in these books, and for, they're for one reason, and that's to drive us closer to the Lord, brother. And, and God bless you, and thank you for these books. Hey, well, praise the Lord. You know, whatever we can do that is by the Spirit of God will last for eternity. Hey, let me close with um, reading a little bit from Ezekiel chapter 7, starting in verse 10. Behold the day. Behold, it has come, and the morning has gone forth. The day of the Lord is already beginning, and the rod has blossomed. Pride has budded. And that's this hour. The pride of this generation is in full display. Violence is risen up. That's what's next, folks, on the national stage. You'll see the violence this summer, and, you know, none of them shall remain. Nothing of theirs shall remain. The proud are about to be completely removed. And, you know, it's, it's really kind of incredible what is about to come to pass on this planet. And, but, Frank, you know, thanks for sharing that review. I've read that book, The Day of, you know, the um, Out of the Darkness, first of the Search of Scripture series. Frank, I probably read that book five or six times. And I, I should read it once a year because it, it was birthed by the Holy Spirit. It was just typed by me. These aren't my books. And I'm just the guy that the Lord had do the typing, really. And, you know, the... The $4 royalty is not the reason I spend hundreds of hours in prayer, fasting, and detailed study of the scriptures in order to bring these messages to you. Um, it's out of love for the, the Word and out of the love for the one who is the Word of God and, and because the Lord told me to do it. But honestly, I, I absolutely love the, the ministry of the Word of God and and it is you know what a privilege to share the word of the lord and you know in the um torah and i'm i'm not a, a big hebrew roots guy but i i really love the the torah as part of the history of of our nation and you know it's clearly the it's the original covenant the old covenant but the last of the commandments and there's 613 of them but the final commandment was that every israelite should contribute to the publishing 
the printing, the writing of the Word of God. And of course, you know, not everybody could take the time to copy their their own um, Torah scroll because that would take you know considerable time and effort. So not everybody would write their own Torah scroll, but or copy really a Torah scroll. But what the Israelites would do is they would contribute to the writing of a scroll by another scribe. Well, in our generation, you know, we're not under the Old Covenant, we're under the New Covenant, but what a blessing to share the Rima Word of God with people. And you can do that very easily. By, you know, get a copy of the book Out of the Darkness, give it to one of your friends that doesn't know the Lord. Give it to a Laodicean Christian that's still asleep. Give it to your mom or your dad. Pass it on. If you've got a copy in your home library and it's just sitting on the shelf, give it away. And, and or take it with you when we finally leave Babylon. And, you know, and I'm, I'm sure people will enjoy reading them in the, um, the wilderness of Edom during the Great Tribulation. But thanks for sharing that, Frank. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, Brother Benjamin. Folks, pride is deadly, but the remnant will not seek pride, but instead humility. And humility is the antidote. Jesus said, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, learn from me. He said, learn of me. This is Amen. who he was. He is you know, meek Frank, and lowly in heart. Pardon my interruption there, brother. Um, I don't know if you heard the message by Joshua Collins last night on Tribulation Now, um, at the midway point through, through the Tribulation Now program of, of last night, July 31st. Uh, those of you that have not listened, you should go listen to Joshua Collins. His family, his mom, his dad were high-level Satanists. They were high-level members of the Illuminati. They did monarch, satanic ritual abuse, monarch brainwashing on him. They, you know, it's incredible what he endured as a as a child, raised to be part of the satanic dynasty. And the Lord intervened delivered him out of the darkness, healed him miraculously, and is, is restoring this beautiful brother. And, and if you want to hear the voice of a man that is humble, go listen to Joshua Collins' testimony. You know, and, and the Amen. thing about you know, the proud and, and the humble, you, you cannot walk in humility surrounded by people with pride. You can't. They'll nitpick you. to The insulate will tear you apart. They have to be separated. There's no way to leave the proud and the humble together. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. And so the proud will be removed from God's people. They're not going to be part of the remnant. You know, and there's a whole lot of Christians that are going to really be surprised to find they were taken out simply because of pride which they had denied. They denied their pride. They literally couldn't see it because they refused to see it. You know, and pride is really a satanic lie because, you know, in our heart of hearts, well, if you actually are an arrogant, proud person, then you're actually a narcissist. You know, if to the very core of your being is the spirit of pride, then you actually suffer from narcissism. You really think you're better than everybody? You're twisted, and Satan wrapped you around his little finger, you know, and unless Jesus delivers you, you're going for the ride on the, 
the river Styx to Gahina. But for the rest of us, you know, people that are not narcissists, to the degree we're proud, it's really a defense mechanism that we learned to cover over the hurts of rejection and 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 the woundings that we all experienced in this sinful world. And, you know, as as you're getting picked on or rejected or whatever painful stuff you went through, you know, Satan was right there to, you know, just get proud. You'll feel a whole lot better. Proud will make you your pride will make you feel better. And, and you know what? It 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 does. It did. And so it worked for a season, but as we want to mature and enter into the truth of Jesus that's now being revealed in the remnant, that pride is it it's in our way you know, it's really in our way, you know. We're we we've gotta come out from, you know, the children of the lie and and we've got to we gotta embrace the truth. Amen. You know, it's it's amazing how easily we are all deceived, you know, and and not understanding it, you know. Not understanding the deceptions that that have overtaken so many. You know, the scripture tells us the dark places of the earth are full of the habitations of cruelty, and the people who react on the basis of dark counsel in their minds they are cruel while they're standing for what is right you know they're they're standing for what is absolutely right and yet they're they're in reality being completely wrong and you know the antidote for for lies is truth and yet you know in our as we hide from ourselves and we hide from our own sins. You know, we we prefer the facade of truth, and that's what the Laodicean church offers. That's what the fake TV evangelists are selling to people, the facade of obeying God. You know, send me your money, and uh, that's all God requires of you, and you, you'll be blessed, and, you know, you can, God will, you know, multiply you a thousand times because you gave your money to one of these fake TV evangelists. But no, that's not what God requires of us. God requires of us to, to walk with mercy and to forgive each other and to walk in faith and to put away the things of the flesh and to have our mind renewed with the Word of God and, and to reach out and, and share the truth of salvation, the truth of Jesus with a world around us that's dying. It has nothing to do with giving your money to men who who fly around in private jets. It's about walking in the anointing and loving the people who are are literally dying in their sin. But you know, there's entire congregations that are deceived and that are walking in the lie. You know, and and, and the people that are leading the, the Pied Pipers of this destruction, you know, they're all the children of the lie. If you guys have never read the book by Scott Peck, The, the People of the Lie, it's quite an eye-opener. and It'll show you the anatomy of true evil. There are people who actually prefer the lie, and they, they run from the truth because it would, you know, 
uncover the facade of their false personality. And, you know, I would definitely encourage you guys, if you've never read the book Out of the Darkness, or if you read it years ago, you might want to pick it up and, and read it again, because it's, you know, the book was designed, I'm just read a little bit from the back cover, sort of some final comments before we go. You know, search the scripture out of the darkness. The Lord has thrown a pillar of righteousness from the heavens to crush the head of the serpent and the lives of his people, and you are holding it in your hands. You know, I wrote that because Jesus told me that. He said, I, he spoke this to me, you guys, and I'm not bearing false witness in the name of the Lord. I am a true witness in the name of the Lord. He said to me, I am fashioning this work, and he was talking about the out of the darkness book. He said, I'm fashioning this work as a pillar of righteousness, which I am going to throw from the heavens to crush the head of the serpent in the lives of my people. So if you want Satan's head crushed in your life and in the life of your family, though the Lord threw an entire pillar of truth down onto the earth in the form of a little book called Out of the Darkness. And I'm going to read you the back page. And we'll leave it with this. The wisdom of God is contrary to the way of our natural mind. We believe we need to be strong. And the last thing we want to become is weak or come to the end of ourselves. We have a survival instinct in us that causes us to just keep on keeping on with the works of the flesh. One more time around the mountain, one more attempt in our own strength. And maybe if we tell the same story one more time, it might finally become the truth. But it never does. For the flesh always produces the same bitter harvest and always brings forth the same briars and thorns. Out of the darkness is about coming out of the denial and coming out of the shadows so that we may enter into the secret hiding place of the Most High God because it's not found in the shadows, and we cannot find it in the darkness. Nor will we find it if we allow the darkness to remain hidden deep within our own hearts. It also cannot be found through pretending, and many of us have become very skilled at pretending. Some of us even confused pretending with faith, thinking if we just pretend long enough, and if we just believe hard enough, that our pretenses are real, something magical is going to happen. And God is going to turn all of our lies into the truth. But God does not turn lies into truth. Lies remain lies for as long as we hold them and hide them within our hearts. When we finally find the courage to search our hearts and to trust Jesus enough to obey him, then we will finally embrace the truth and we will finally be ready to let the truth come out of us. Coming out of the darkness is the first step in finding the truth that will truly set us free. And, you know, brother, that's what we need now. You know, brother asked me last night, you know, what are you doing to prepare, Benjamin? And, you know, I went through the some updates on, you know, how close we are to the day of the Lord. And, guys, it's 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 not many months away at this point. I mean, y'all ought to be seriously preparing. And, and he was asking me, you know, what are you doing to prepare in the, you know, for the day? And I'm like, well, I'm fasting and praying. I mean, I'm seeking the Lord. And he's like, well, no, no, no. Tell me what you're doing practically. And I'm like, 
nothing. You know, I've, I've already done that, and I'm convinced that, you know, that's great. But if that's all you got, you ain't got nothing. If you're not ready spiritually, you're, you're going to be undone in this thing. There's no way to get through this with tuna fish and toilet paper and, and, and you know, and your, you know, all of your other weapons and equipment and bug-out bags. and Forget it. Forget it. If you're not ready spiritually, it's over. But there's a remnant that's preparing their hearts. And the Lord said, I will protect that which is mine. If he gives the commandment to deliver you, you're going to be just fine. And it's all about the matters of the heart. It's all about us getting this heart thing right. And, you know, the, the problem is that's the hardest thing to do. We can't do it ourselves. We must have the help of the Holy Spirit. We must have the skillful hands of the master surgeon. The great physician has to cut the cancer out of our soul. We have this thing in our spirit, and it's called sin. And it's like a disease. I mean, it, it is. It's a spiritual disease. And if you don't eradicate it, it will kill you. And it might not kill you for eternity. If you're born again, the Lord will honor his promises to you, and you're gonna, you'll get saved in that day. But it might kill you in the here and now, and it will rob you of your crown. And you're, you may end up getting your family killed, your children killed. What, because you, chose, you weren't wise enough to obey? You didn't think it was he was talking to you or or you made some other excuse that you didn't have the time or 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 you didn't know what to do well well, it's high time for us to find out what the Lord would require of us and what he's requiring of you for me, it's a season of fasting and prayer, and you know Frank, maybe we should do a whole program on how. You know how to fast. Teach the people how to mm-hmm. fast and pray because I there's a you know there's some things you need to know and if you've never done it you know start off. Don't get discouraged if it's hard at first. But brother, you know ever since you made that comment about shedding your sin, we talked about fasting and praying maybe two weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. I've been in you know done several days of fasting on a couple of occasions over the last two weeks and. Frank, as soon as I get in that fasting mode, it's like the sin just falls off of you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you're different. You know, the, the, you can enter in. The power of God rises up. Heaven notices. The Lord responds. And so, you know, you're kidding yourself if you're not fasting and praying in this time. But, you know, at the same time, I was, I was talking with... Um, a Christian friend of mine, and and they were mentioning, you know, they had never fasted or prayed, and yet they've been a believer for a number of years. And, you know, they were actually, I guess, you know, kind of feeling a little bad about that or embarrassed or whatever. But I told them, I said, you know what? Don't, don't get too down on yourselves. Most Christians do not fast or pray. Maybe they pray, but they don't fast and pray. Christians, by and large, majority of the Christians in America have never once fasted and prayed. As hard as that is to believe, it's the truth. Or if they do, maybe they, oh, they, missed, one, they missed one meal I call it baby fasting. Hey, it's better than nothing. 
You know, I think it's more powerful to do the Daniel fast, you know, than the one meal fast where it's just the vegetables, the fruit and the vegetables for three weeks. But, but in any event, you know, something is seriously wrong with this generation of believers when the scriptures blatantly clear throughout the text of the prophets as well as Jesus' direct commandments to us that his disciples will all fast and pray. In the book of Joel, the generation that sees the day of the Lord coming, gather in solemn assemblies and in seasons of fasting and prayer. You know, this is pretty obvious, and yet it is being blatantly disregarded because it's not comfortable. But it's not that difficult, you guys. I'll tell you what's you difficult. Know, ben- Benjamin, do you remember back, oh, it was probably around, what, 99, 2000, 1-2, around there. It used yeah. to be the remnant fasted every Thursday. That's right. I think we may want to bring that back. And what Amen. a better time than on Thursday night when it's remnant call. And uh, Hey, hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Amen, brother. And so I, I remember that. We used to always fast every Thursday. No matter what, I mean, for years, it seemed like. And, you know, uh, it, it's a discipline. I mean, it, it is. It's a discipline. And none of us like fasting. The, I mean, you know, our flesh wants to, it wants to eat. Our flesh is, you know, we're used to our comforts and our pleasures. We don't, we don't want to give them up. We'd rather write a check than, than commit to a time of fasting and prayer. But, you know, it's not that hard. It can be done, and it does change things. And so I would just encourage people. And, you know, if you've never fasted and, and you try and you fail, don't feel bad. Don't, you know, don't be condemned. You know, praise God, you tried. Get up and try again. And I, I've done a lot of fasting and prayer over the years. The book, Out of the Darkness, these messages all came forth in a season of fasting and prayer. I was fasted and prayed up, and that's how these messages were born in the power of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, at the same time, there have been a lot of times, Frank, where I would try to fast and I would fail. You know, I would be determined, I'm going to fast, you know, and I, I couldn't even make it one day. You know, I'd break down by dinner, and I'd end up eating something. You know, and instead of feeling condemned, I just go right back. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm doing this tomorrow, or you know, I'll I'll pick this up next week. And you know, hey, yeah, we fall. The righteous man falls seven times a day, but he gets back up. So if you try to fast and pray, and you find you can't make it, or you get too tired, and you know you have to eat, that's fine. Praise God. Your heart's in the right place. You're doing it. You know, we're not subject to, nobody's expecting us to do a 40-day fast, you know, day one. You know, once you've made past day two or three, you start losing physical strength, you know, where your, your job may require you to eat. I remember at one point I was intent on fasting for 40 days, and, and I, you know, my work requirements and other responsibilities made that impossible. And... After three days of fasting, the Lord literally spoke to me and said, you need to eat, go and eat a meal. And I, so I did. And then I, was, I thought, you know what, I am going to do this 40-day fast. I'm going to start again tomorrow. And I fasted again for a couple days, and again the Lord told me, you need to eat, go eat a meal. So I ate another meal, and, and, and I went 
determined I'm going to do this fast. I went back and started fasting again, and this went on and on for two straight months. I fasted for two days, and on the third day, I ate a meal. And I went right back to fasting. And over the span of 60 days, I fasted for 40 of them. And in the context of that window of time, the messages of the prophetic message of Job and that woman Jezebel and the return to Zion and some of the most incredible anointed messages that the Lord's given me the privilege of, of sharing and, and putting into these books, they all came forth in that season. You know, and, and I'm not a superstar, you guys. <laughs> the truth be told, I'm probably the opposite. I'm like the, one of the least among us. But God just grabbed me by the back of the collar and said, you're coming with me, kid. I got some work for you to do. And, you know, everything I've done, it's been by the grace of God. I, I can't do anything on my own. I pray for strength. And my body screams at me just like yours screams at you. I just, I tell mine, you know, hey, flesh, you died in Christ. You're a dead man. You don't have the right to speak. I command you to shut up. Get back in the ground. You're dead. I don't want to hear from you again. And the funny thing is, my flesh obeys. And it stops yelling at me for food. And then after day three, if you're still hungry, you know, I mean, maybe it's a, an exhaustion issue and you literally do need to eat and so you can't go further. Or maybe it's a gluttony demon, in which case, kick that stupid thing out of your life. But we as Americans, we have been given over to pleasure. You know, we don't want to suffer. We don't want to sacrifice. You know, we don't want to deny the flesh. That's why the church is the Laodicean church. That's why the charismatic church got overrun by the kundalini false anointing. That's why the country's going to hell soon. Benjamin, we've got what? four There's minutes. There's going to be someone that stands in the gap. Go, Frank. Yeah, four minutes left. So, yeah, amen, brother. I, I agree. Um, it's time to do that, and a prayer, uh, you know, and another program on just how to fast, where we bring up some of the amazing research that, for me, was groundbreaking when you shared it with me. I don't know how many years ago, um, when I starting to fast with the vegetable water and stuff like that, and uh, just a power. It really helps, doesn't it? it? It's amazing. It is amazing. There's ways to fast that even if you have a job that requires something, and then the crazy thing is, is after about three to four days your strength will come back more and when you're not when the hunger breaks it's just it's powerful um so anyway um, you know what if the remnant would start fasting and praying it would there would be a change in the spiritual dimension of this planet and that's why the enemy is fighting us so hard on this issue because they are afraid of what would happen if the majority of us all started fasting and praying it would it would be a breakthrough like we've never seen. Amen. And we need that breakthrough. So, hey, Frank, God bless you. Thanks for hey, the chance God to share on the program tonight. And, folks, you want to know something? Just one other thing. On the Day of Atonement every year, for those of you who partake in it, we fast and pray and we don't drink any water for that day. There's another phenomenon that happens, and it only happens when you don't drink water. When you fast and pray and don't drink water, I'm not saying go on a week long like that, but when you do it on the Day of Atonement and just like Esther, you actually do not get hungry when you do not drink water with your fast. Didn't Benjamin, have you experienced the same thing on the Day of Atonement? You don't get hungry when you're not drinking water? 
Yes, absolutely. It's amazing. It's powerful. Anyways, folks, God bless you. Benjamin will do that here soon. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you haven't read Out of the Darkness, get a copy off of Amazon.com. And this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on The Remnant Call saying to everybody good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, down there on the mountain. Lower trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come. Lower trumpet in Zion.